Uh, before we get to communion table, I want to talk to you about Abraham's blessing. This is the last of the Galatian teachings until next year. And we're going to take a break now for the Christmas period where I'm going to preach, obviously, the traditional glorious story of Christmas, shepherds, kings, wise men, Mary, stables, can't wait. And we've got a great time. We live in nativity. Then on the 22nd, we have our children's nativity on the stage. If you've got kids, bring them on the 22nd. The kids will have a massive children's Christmas party after they've done their presentation in the hall. And then we'll carry on and have um, uh, a bit of a time of worship and singing carols together on the Sunday, the 22nd. But if you've got children, they don't have to rehearse. We've got it all planned so your kids can turn up and they can participate. So don't worry, it's all planned. It's going to be great. So do remember that. And if you've got children, the only thing we need is children. So we need people to do trees. We need cookies. And children would be good. Uh, And very good. Abraham's blessing. Uh, Let's recap. We've gone through Galatians. We're right into chapter 3 now. After last week's sermon, I said to you that there are 16 times that the writer of Galatians, Paul, mentions the work of the Holy Spirit. So next January, we'll certainly be stepping in to the power and the work and the fruit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Paul moves from law to the Spirit within his teaching. But we have dealt with the whole idea in the first sermon about the whole idea of the prodigal church getting right and about the drift that they had and about they had been infiltrated by Judaizers who were teaching them that it was salvation of Jesus plus circumcision. And the point of that is that we cannot rescue ourselves. We need a savior and it's not Jesus Christ plus something else. We then spoke about the heart That we shouldn't have a divided heart. We need to guide our heart. And we need to understand that the Christian life, we are in danger of drifting away from God. But we need to keep our hearts set upon God. Then Doug spoke about that we're not here to please men, but to please God. And the most dangerous position we could be in is when we start to please people around us. And we're not pleasing the God of heaven. And then, of course, uh, 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 Pastor Russ, he spoke about the very idea about our story, about Paul's testimony, and the most p- about where he came from. And, of course, our most powerful tool and gift that we have is our own story of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Then I spoke about the grace of God, the three graces that they went to Jerusalem and they saw the grace of God. And it was the grace of God at work in Paul's life that the pillars of the church in Jerusalem, John, Peter and James, looked at Paul after 14 years and gave him the right hand of fellowship because he was preaching the true gospel of faith and God was using him because churches were being planted, people were being saved, people were being mentored and he turned up with a massive gift of money because one of the signs of God's grace is that we are blessed with salvations, we're blessed with discipleship and we are a generous people because we have received much from Jesus. And they went, wow, God's with you. But don't forget one thing, please, the poor. Don't forget, and of which Paul was eager to remember the poor. 
And as we think about what's going on in our own city, there are responses in our own lives that we can, don't forget one thing, the poor. And so he, of course, spoke about poor, the poor and, and, and that. And obviously Jesus was born poor. Jesus pursued the poor. Jesus preached a message that said that one day there'd be the great reversal where the poor and the needy, the marginalized and the dying would be lifted up for the kingdom came to liberate the poor. And then he, of course, spoke, we've preached about hypocrisy. And about the, about the whole idea of Peter giving in to the Judaizers in Antioch and ended up living a dual system. And we have to be so careful that we are consistent, not hypocritical within our lives. And what we do at home and what we do at church and what we do at work is consistent with our faith in God. And then Joel preached about the whole idea about that we, um, of course, no longer live, but Christ that lives within us, about giving it all up. Last week, we spoke about the doors that lead to the work of the Spirit, the door of the cross, only through the blood of Jesus that leads to a Spirit-filled life, the door of, um, of faith, of hearing God's Word and believing it and acting on it, and the door of suffering that often in the midst of our deepest problems, God's Spirit comes and works within our lives and is with us in the middle of suffering. So we've been quite a journey in Galatians. But this is what we want to talk about Abraham's blessing for a while. And um, so also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Not by law, not by works, not by hard work, not by the treadmill of religion. And announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. The gospel was announced to Abraham. And all the nations will be blessed through you. Why? Because the descendant of Abraham was Jesus Christ the Savior. And we are all the nations. Even this morning we had people turning up from, from the Philippines. Their very first time at Willow Park Church. And they're from the Philippines. And they turn up our church. I love it. I love all the nations. It's all the nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This really confused me when I was young. 15 years old, became a Christian. I gave my life to Jesus at the front of the church, coming from generations of non-Christians. You've heard me talk about this before. The first thing the enthusiastic, rather sweet-looking Christian girl said to me, would you like to come to our youth group? And I said, yeah. And she invited me to the youth group. Went to the youth group where they were eating uh, cookies and drinking orange juice. We sat around and out came the guitar. I'd never been in a setting where people got a guitar out. And they started to sing. And they started to sing. I thought, I've just been a Christian an hour and a half. And I'm singing a song. And the song was, Father Abraham had many sons. Let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, left leg, right leg, left leg. Nod your head. Turn around. Punch somebody in the face. It was not a Mennonite church. And 
And I was thinking, this is amazing. I can be a Christian and punch people. I walked home and I could not get the song out of my head. That's my gift for you today. You cannot get it out of your head. And so, um, Father Abraham, I'm joining with many sons. Many sons said, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, Father. Who is Father Abraham? My dad is called Michael. And so, I'm wondering what this meant. Well, what it means is that I'd become a Christian that evening at that church in the gospel service at 6.30 in the evening. And at that moment, I had joined a new family, a family of faith, a family of God's presence, a family of promise, a family of blessing. And my life had been changed. And where my life was in darkness, I was now part of the family of God, the family of light. That's what it changed. And, and, and the scripture foresaw that we, the Gentiles, me, a Gentile, would be saved by faith, not through birth, not through law, not through nationality distinction, but saved through faith because I am one of the many nations and I am now saved. So the big debate has always been, who gets the Abraham blessing? When they look at it, they were talking about this big big debate. Because here, it was for all nations. And yet, of course, the Jewish nation very much owned this and had it. And who got it? And now, of course, over three billion people in the world connect to the Abrahamic blessing. You have the Christian community, of course. You have the Jewish community, of course. And then you have the Islamic community, who all trace themselves back to Abraham. Although the Islamic community uh, uh, were to come 700 years after this letter was being written, or 650 years, when, when the rise of Islam would happen in the world. And they would take ownership and, and so on, and that idea. But the, what Paul is actually saying is, that is that that's people are arguing about the blessing, but how do you get the blessing now? You get the blessing only through one way, and that is through believing that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the Messiah and is the only true way to God. Amen. That's how you get it. And Paul said it's by faith. Abraham was a man of faith. So what did the Abrahamic covenant bring us? What's he trying to say? He's trying to tell us that the curse of humanity that took place at the beginning of of Genesis has been reversed. In other words, the curse has been broken through the blood of the Lamb on the cross. In other words, through the life of Jesus, uh, through faith, through Abraham's line to bless all the nations, it comes that the solution to humanity's darkness, the solution to humanity's pain, the solution to humanity's madness and agony, the solution is found in through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The curse has been broken by the work of the blood of the Lamb on the cross. The curse you you may experience in your own life, the madness of human beings, Human beings are the only animal on the face of the planet, and I use that phrase, who literally murder millions of each other. 
We're the only ones. Why is that? It's because of the power of sin and darkness and the curse of the fall that is within us. And humanity needs a salvation. And that salvation comes through the rescue mission of the Jesus Christ who was born at this time. And we celebrate his birth, but we know that that was a rescue mission to reverse and to bring a solution to humanity. And so what Paul cleverly does... Beautifully, <clears throat> he, he, he explains that it's not about those that own the blessing of Abraham are those that have received Jesus by faith. And he explains, really what he's saying is that you can see the madness of chapter 1 in Genesis through to chapter 11 in Genesis. And all the pain and the flood and the murder and the drunkenness and the craziness. And all that took place, and then suddenly God said, the solution is this. Solution. Solution is this. I am looking, Paul is saying, God is looking for a people like Abraham, who are a people of faith. A people that have received the solution in their lives. A people that are traveling through this world, and they're traveling through this world with the life of God. And so suddenly, we are no longer just connected with our own human family tree. We are now grafted in to the family of God. And you and I are sons and daughters of Abraham by faith because now we belong to the family of God and we have a different family line. See, that's encouraging for me. It's encouraging because you may look at your family line and you may see the pain the, the, the addiction, you may see the agony, you may see the history that goes all the way back. I look at my own family line. I've got a photograph of a, a, a great, great, great um, grandfather who was smoking a cigarette, wearing a cowboy hat in the middle of Worcestershire. Yes, we had cowboys in Worcestershire. And... And he is famous in our family because he lost the public house that he owned in a game of cards. He got arrested for horse stealing. He was a, ended up in the poorhouse and his life was a mess. And, uh, you know, that is my relative. And he stands there, you know, with his moustache and, and he's obviously had to stand there for like, I don't know, for 10 minutes to get the exposure right and didn't have to move. And, and I look through the family line and I see the pain, I see the disaster. But then I look at my family line and I realize that for I am born again into the kingdom of God and the family of God. And there's a new family line. And you are in that family line. Doesn't matter what your family's been in the past, You've been grafted into the vine. You're now in a new family line and you are blessed because you and I, Father Abraham, had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham and I am one of them. Let's all praise the Lord. Right arm. <laughs> Left arm. Nod your head. Don't do that. We're, you know. Don't go... I, I just enjoyed that so much I lost where I was. Uh, <laughs> but it comes down to blessing of all the nations. That through this new family, Paul is saying, everybody's blessed. 
All the nations are blessed. This is what the Romans called witchcraft because they couldn't understand why Christianity was so unifying, why Christianity was so amazing, why Christianity took people from different races, classes, culture in the ancient world and brought them around the communion table and they worshipped together, slaves and free, men and women, children, Celts, Greeks, Romans, Egyptians, Assyrians, Arabians. They all gathered around and they worshipped the Messiah because they knew that they were one family and they were blessed through Abraham. It's about inheritance, you see. It's about that we've inherited a great blessing that is not exclusive to one group, that is global. And we belong to a global corporation of the kingdom of God that deals in righteousness and goodness and blessing. Of course, when we step into this, we understand that we are are on this journey of faith. And so it's not lost to the readers of the letter that Abraham was seen as the man of journey, was seen as the man that followed God's call, was seen as the person that moved forward in God's power and was always being propelled by the vision and the dream that God had given to him. And I want to tell you that the most dynamic life you can live is to live the Christian life because we are propelled on a pilgrimage where we know that we are alive, but the focus of our pilgrimage is the Lord Jesus Christ. This pilgrimage takes us through this world and will take us into the next world, into his very presence. And my job in my life on my pilgrimage as a follower in the footsteps of Abraham is that I am willing to say, yes, Lord Jesus, you are the focus of my journey. You are the focus of my heart. You are the focus of my life. And I choose to follow you. And when you follow Jesus in that journey of faith, that pilgrimage of the heart, that journey of God's love, you know what happens? You truly become alive and alive in Christ and alive in your journey that the greatest way to live your life is to follow Jesus Christ. And that's why you're on the journey of faith. You're on that journey of faith But to be on that journey of faith like Abraham, it takes perseverance. Through the difficult times and through the good times. It takes perseverance to keep moving. It takes perseverance to keep believing. Abraham, of course, came from Iraq. He traveled all the way down north, kind of following the rivers. And then he would have come through what is now Lebanon into northern Israel. I've actually been to a spot where there's an ancient gate in northern Israel to an ancient city where the tour guide said to me and to us, it is, there is no doubt at all that this city existed at the time of Abraham and Abraham would have stood at this spot to go through this gate to come into this city. And I stood right in the spot. And if you're a senior and you come into Seniors Banquet, I'll tell you all the stories about this. 
at the seniors' banquet, but I stood on that spot and I looked at that ancient gate in the wall where it is imprinted in and it is glorious and precious and thought, I am standing in the footsteps of Father Abraham. But you know, the moment I gave my life to Jesus, I entered into his footsteps. I didn't have to go to Israel, although I loved it. At that moment, because I put, and I put my focus on Jesus, I walked step by step by faith, and I'm going to persevere, I'm going to move forward. And so when we think about this, this text, there are three things that I've highlighted through what I've communicated to you, in case you've missed it in my enthusiasm and excitement. Number one... The Abrahamic promise is about the reversal of the curse that has come on humanity and freedom for us to enter into a relationship with God. Number two, in Abraham by faith. He was saved, made righteous by faith. And the great message of Galatians, of course, as Luther and uh, in his commentary highlights yet again, it's not through religious activity, it's not through clinging onto shrines, it's not through continuously turning up at temples or holy places, it is through an inner faith by which you and I begin a journey that we trust God and we trust that Jesus is the Messiah. And number three... We are all aiming to be an Abraham lookalike. What do I mean by that? Well, the beautiful thing about Abraham, he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. But he was on a journey to follow a promise that God had given him. And you and I are on that journey now. You see, Abraham was willing to go. Abraham was willing to leave. And Abraham was willing to seek. And that captures the heart of the Christian life. You were willing one day to leave your sinful life, your life that was broken, your life that needed salvation, and you were willing to go, and you were willing to go and follow Jesus. And that is the most precious gift in our life. And in going to follow Jesus, the pilgrimage of our great journey is that we're leaving the old character behind. We're leaving the old habits behind. We're leaving the whole strongholds behind. Whatever we're behind, our whole journey is about leaving things behind and about pursuing God's call on our lives. That's an internal journey of what God is doing within us. An internal journey. Of, of intimacy and closeness. Yesterday I was at a memorial service for Andy Funk and listened and we spent time hearing beautiful worship. He was a member of this church for 10 years, well known, came from Winnipeg. And he died of ALS, a terrible disease. It takes away your voice. It takes away your ability to communicate. It just leaves you with your mind alive. He was an outgoing person. He was an outgoing person in his hands, in his humor, in his laughter. He worked into his late 70s, a remarkable businessman. But he loved to sing. He loved to worship. 
He was a pilgrim. He was a son of Abraham. He was a follower of Jesus, if you like. But he lost his ability to do the one thing that he loved. And that was to sing. But Mark once asked him, what are you thinking about in your mind? And he had to write everything else. And on those visits I had to him, he'd write out questions and answers. We'd talk, as many of you visited him. Mark asked him, what, what was going on in your mind? And he said these, he, he wrote these words, I've got a chorus that goes around in my head again and again and again. What's that chorus? Spirit of the living Lord, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living Lord, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, and fill me. You see, he was a son of Abraham and he's on his pilgrimage. And even in the middle, when he lost everything, he still had the cloud of the presence of God dwelling within his life as he was willing to keep following the Savior. All the way through to the presence of God. You see, I avidly believe that the pilgrimage that we are involved on is a pilgrimage of inner transformation and deep connection to Christ. That within our lives we embody the, the presence of God. And that I want to look like Abraham. I haven't lived a perfect life. He did what he, he left uh, his, his land, he arrived in the promised land, he made a sacrifice at Bethel, he ended up in Egypt, he ended up doing it all wrong in Egypt by lying about his wife Sarah because she was so beautiful, he got into trouble with Pharaoh, he ended up then with Lot and they had so many sheep they have to go different ways, but he said I don't care which way you go Lot, you go this way, you go that way because I know wherever I go God will be with me. He then ended up um, hearing that Lot had been, been kidnapped by the wars of the four kingdoms, kings that were in that region. And so he pulled 318 fighting men on donkeys together. And in a scene like Shrek, off they went. And, and they rescued Lot. He was a rescuer. And then on the Mount of Olives, he had a beautiful moment with Melchizedek, the great king. And there they, they drank wine and bread and he gave a tithe to him, giving a beautiful image of the things to come there on the Mount of Olives. And I've stood there and, and been at that point where the ancient moment, and then, then he he made a treaty with the Lord for the land and he took a, a heifer and a ram and a goat and, and a pigeon and a dove and he, he sacrificed them and he walked through them in a dream and a, a pot was on fire talking about the presence of God that God would be with him a most glorious visitation of the power of God but then he ended up with Hagar and Ishmael he made mistakes and then even when the angels visited Sarah laughed that she was going to get a baby and she would get a baby and his name would be Isaac and God would move in power and anointing. The ups and downs of Abraham. Not a perfect life. A messy family. Moments of great spiritual glory. Moments of difficulty. And I think you and I are like that. 
but we're people of faith. And we're following one person, and his name is Jesus. And the challenge of this message is this, will you keep on the pilgrimage of the heart? That if everything was taken away from you, including your voice and your heart, and you were left with nothing, would you just have the presence of the cloud by day and the fire by night on you? That God is with you. And one day, as we read, as I prayed from Revelations 21, one day, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And the old heavens and the old earth will pass away. And the holy city will descend. The holy city of Jerusalem. Like a bride to a husband will descend. And those who have trusted in the Lamb, they will come home to that city, find their promise, because they have been on that great pilgrimage. Like Abraham, we are a people of faith. And it's all built around the gift of Jesus. Let's pray together.